2: You know, when Jesus came to this earth, the very first message he preached in the book of Mark was this. Repent for the kingdom of God. Is that it? See, you have to be born again to get into the kingdom of God. And you can't be born again unless you repent. A lot of people think repent means I'm sorry I got caught. That is not what repent means. Write it down this morning. It's a complete reversal of my attitude. I'm in control. No, I'm not.
0: Repentance is the first step you must take to be born again and enter the kingdom of God. Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of the bold call to repentance that Daniel gave King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. This king had lived his life the way he wanted his entire life, never giving God a second thought. How many in our world today are trying to succeed at life on their own? How many have tasted success and taken credit for it? There's only one way to change direction and follow God, and it starts with repentance. Are there things in your life that you need to repent of today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Daniel as he continues with his message entitled, God has taught me a lesson. He is in control.
1: You, your lessons
0: Look at this.
2: Read this with me at all the campuses. They will reject, what? The truth. And chase after miss. Do you know why many churches are emptying and going to churches like that? That's exactly why. Oh, that church talks about sin. I'm not going there again. Really? 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 You want to be deceived into a myth? No, not at all. See, Daniel knows that God is bringing, he brought this dream for correction. All of us need correction. See, that's why pastors are commanded to teach all the word of God. Even as I'm teaching already this morning, God is using those four little things right there to speak to all of us. Of course, he speaks to me earlier because I'm studying this weeks ahead of time. And God is speaking to us today. Now, how does this dream work out? Look at verse 20. Daniel's going to say this in love. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing fruit for all shelter, beasts nesting places as branches for there. Verse 22 You, our king, are that tree. Whoa. Nebuchadnezzar, no wonder you're panicking. It's all about you. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky. Your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. So he starts with good news. You're amazing, king. You're amazing. But then the bad news. Verse 23. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree, destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. In other words, the tree's cut down, but the roots are gonna be saved. That's a picture of what's coming. God's gonna say to him, you can be restored. And he says this, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass for him. Those seven times are seven years. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is a decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the king. God is sovereign, He's in control. And He basically says, You're going to be removed from your place of authority. You've thought all this time you're in control you're going to find out you are not the one in control. This band is going to basically give an opportunity to you, if you you do the right thing, that you can be restored. Now look what it's going to look like in verse 25. You will be driven away from the people, people in his kingdoms, and live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass you by. So the dream means that he's going to be mentally deranged. And you'll be driven from your people. You'll live like a wild animal for seven years. Now, we have a couple of those things that still happen today. Zoanthropy. It's an illness that's kind of in modern time, kind of like this. And another one is boanthropy, where a person thinks himself and actually acts like an animal. We still have cases of that happening in our world. Now, when you think about this as happening, I want you to see verse 25. Verse 25. Because it's huge. Now, why is God doing this? Look at verse 25. Seven times will pass for you, seven years. Watch this. Until you acknowledge that the Most High, the one true God, is what? Say the word when the are campuses. Is sovereign. Over the kingdoms of men, and gives them to anyone he wishes. That's the reason for the punishment. Until you come to your senses and realize you are not in control. When that happens, good things can happen. You see, pride had ruined Nebuchadnezzar's whole life. Pride is the thing that all of us struggle with. Every single one of us here. Remember in chapter 3, well, earlier before, man, had those, this amazing dream that he was the head of those four nations, uh, kingdoms that would come all the way through time, ending with Rome. He was the top. And then in chapter 3, remember, he built this statue of himself. Come worship me. Bow down to me. Well, that's man. You see, pride is a huge problem in all of our lives. I want you to write this down this morning. Pride magnifies self. And it minimizes God. God hates pride. How could you and I think we're equal to God? Well, that's what Satan did. Satan said to God and to the angels, I don't want you worshiping God. You worship me. It magnifies self. It minimizes God. It's simply independence from God. Thinking that we, in our own wisdom and our own strength, are adequate for anything in life. Now, pride is common in all of our lives. Now, why does God hate pride? Well, how can we be on level with God? Pride will take you down. Pride always ends in disaster. I've been there. You've been there. And Proverbs 16, 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. And pride is something that spiritually affects all of us. We think, well, I've got a business and it's worth millions of dollars. You're going to see Nebuchadnezzar say exactly that same kind of thing. Man, am I special. No, the Bible says God gives you wealth, the power to get wealth. You didn't do that. God did that. Well, I am an IQ of 140. I don't even know what that means, but you're smarter than me. <laughs> Are you smarter than God? Of course not. Who gave you that? God. You see, there's a major balance between pride and humility. Look at this verse. Proverbs 11:2. 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. There isn't anybody I'm talking to that wouldn't want wisdom. Humility is simply the right view of self because I have the right view of God. He's sovereign. He's in control. I'm not the boss. He's the ultimate king. I just need to learn to submit to him. Now, if I want to be wise, notice what that says. First, I have to be humble. That's a huge principle. It just dwelt in my heart this last week. Because all of us want to be wise. Well, I can never be wise if I'm prideful. It has to be from me. Now, I told you it ends disastrously for the king. Think about the king being an animal out, and he's, he's going to be sent away to all of this. But well, watch what happens in verse 26. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means, Daniel's speaking now, a little hope, That your kingdom will be restored, watch this, when you acknowledge that heaven rules. You see, that's a picture of God's grace. Does this king deserve to be restored? No. Do you know that God's whole plan is always restoration? It's always restoration. And so since the king was not removed, since the tree was not removed from the ground, the king... Will be restored when he humbles himself. Now, as you think about that this morning, this reminds me a lot of the prodigal son in the Bible. When the prodigal son went away from his father, by the way, what is this king going to be eating? St. Augustine. Can you imagine St. Augustine Grass eating that sucker? (laughs) He's looking for Bahia. (laughs) Can't get this down. Well, what's going to happen is, what about the prodigal son? What was he eating? Pig's food. But the Bible says this. when The prodigal son, when he came to his senses, he went back home to the father. All of us have relatives or friends or kids or children or parents that are away from God. When people come and talk to me about that, here's what I pray for. Like Nebuchadnezzar, that they would come to their senses and acknowledge that God is in control. You and I can't bring them there. Oh, we've tried. It doesn't work. Nebuchadnezzar is gonna to have to come there himself. And God's arranged it through circumstances. Sometimes we want to come in and rescue these people. Don't rescue them. Let them hit bottom. Then they'll come to God. Now understand, what's Daniel going to say to him? He's going to say to him, another opportunity. Not all the way to the end. Look at verse 27. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. So here's wisdom from Daniel. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness will by being kind to the oppressed. He oppressed all kinds of people. It may be that your prosperity will continue. Daniel lovingly says to the king, king, it's time to repent. It's time to obey God and be humble. Repentance, Daniel's saying, is the only way that God will restore you. You know, when Jesus came to this earth, the very first message he preached in the book of Mark was this, repent for the kingdom of God. Is that a, See, it, you have to be born again to get into the kingdom of God, and you can't be born again unless you repent. A lot of people think repent means, I'm sorry I got caught That is not what repent means. Write it down this morning. It's a complete reversal of my attitude. I'm in control. No, I'm not. Now look at verse 28. I love this. 20% of this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, let's raise it to 25. How much of it happened to King Nebuchadnezzar? Hmm. Psalm 119 says, All your words Are true. There's a lot of people who have been deceived by Satan. Well, Pastor Mike, I know you talk about hell and sin. I don't believe in any of that stuff at all. Sorry. It's all coming true. And by the time it does, it's too late for you. The whole word of God is true. He didn't leave anything out. Everything's gonna be true. Now, I want you to underline these next verses, all our campuses, verse 29. 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon. See, when Daniel warned him, you need to repent, probably for the first few weeks, he thought, yeah, it's probably the right thing to do. But pretty soon weeks turned into months and months, and he simply ignored it. And what happens is, the warning is there. God gave Nebuchadnezzar 12 months to repent. That's a picture of God's patience. See, a lot of people have the wrong picture. Well, God's sovereign; He's in control, Then what an angry God he is. No, no, no. Look at 2 Peter. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You see, that's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now, look at verse 30. As he's walking these amazing walls, Nebuchadnezzar said to himself, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? See, he's he's living independent from God. Man, I've got it made, God. I don't need you. Look at this. I did it all. No, he didn't. God enabled him to do it all. Verse 31 is a, a challenging verse. The words were still on his lips, me, myself, and I, when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar, your royal authority has been taken from you. You know the Bible says there comes a point in the book of Genesis where you refuse to repent so much that God will never, ever save you. I don't know where that line is. I don't know how to cross it. I don't want to get ever near it. Either do you. You say, well, that's God's fault. No, how many years do you need to repent? Twelve months. Twelve months. Refused. These were these words of judgment were still on his lips when he's prideful. When God said, "That's it. Finished. Done." Verse thirty-two: You will be driven away from people, and you will live like wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass you by, seven years for you, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and give gives them to anyone he wishes. And immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He had no longer the mind of a man, but of an animal. He was driven away from people, ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Now, verse 34. At the end of that time, well, how much time is that? I think it was five years, wasn't it? Maybe it was six and a half years, was it? No, how how, how much is the time? Exactly? Exactly. So at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, watch this, raised my eyes toward heaven. And my sanctity was restored. That's what you're praying for, for the prodigals. When they finally come to an end of themselves, and they raise and go, God... You got my attention. I'm tired of this lifestyle. He raised his eyes toward heaven, and he said his sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. That's like our doctrine at the church. It would be exactly seven years right to the point when god restored him because he was willing to acknowledge i am not in control you are and i submit to that control you see it began when he honored who god really is remember god's the only one that to be worshiped his eyes went to heaven and he said to god you're right i'm humbled I was wrong. Well, look what happens. He goes on. Look what he's learned. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. That didn't start from the beginning. Hey, look at what I built. That changed totally. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples on earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? He acknowledges the sovereignty of God to rule King master, absolute ruler. Now, the Bible always teaches this amazing balance between the sovereignty of God and human responsibility. Look, don't ever get in this argument, the sovereignty of God, man has no free will, man has a free will, there is no sovereignty. Of God. Don't ever get there. It's balanced. We don't totally understand it, but right from the beginning, Adam and Eve were created. God said, don't Fool around with that tree all the rest of yours. years. Because if you do, you're going to be separated from God, and you're going to need a savior. But what did he give to Adam and Eve? Free will, a choice. And they went and disobeyed God. Why? Because they thought they could do their life independent from God. See, there's always this tension, this balance. So many people, like King Nebuchadnezzar, rebel against God's sovereignty. And they say, God, I can do a better job than you. Really? No chance. And you'll see that when we try to take control of our lives, the will of God, that what happens is our bad decisions always have bad consequences. Because, see, you and I were not designed to do life alone. The only way you and I can do life is being submitted to the will of God. That's the way life was designed, because he's sovereign. He's king. He's in control. And it's so wonderful to me to know, you know, before I was born, like all of you, in the womb, God has a plan for your life. He knows how he's going to gift you and use you. Oh, it's never about you, remember? It's all about God. And as he's doing that, you'll begin to see something that's very important. When you begin to think about that, submitting to his will is the only way to do life. You put him first, and it starts with salvation, and then you just say, God, what do you want for me to do? That's the exciting part of life. Well, look what else he comes in verse 36. At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. Now, that's grace. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became greater than before. That's only God. Does he deserve it? Not a chance. See, that's what happens. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Because, watch this, everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And he spits out some grass and says, Amen. Exactly. There was no question in Nebuchadnezzar. And he's going to go home and try to take a clean shower and cut that hair off, baby. You know, we laugh, but look at the greatness of God. All of us one day were dead in our trespasses and sins until Jesus came.
0: Pride is thinking that we, in our own wisdom and in our own strength, are adequate for anything in life. A prideful person magnifies self and minimizes God. Today, we learned from Pastor Mark that pride always ends in disaster. He taught how Daniel's humility was the springboard for the wisdom he gained scripture states that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Do you need to repent of pride in your life today? Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. How willing are you to learn from others that went before you? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will challenge listeners to humbly appreciate the value of the stories in Scripture, as well as people who have gone before us in this life. God has a limit to how far He will allow men to go in their sin. He hates sin, and there will be a judgment for it. We can learn from many examples in the Bible that our Lord is serious about sin. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Daniel. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: In a hurry.